Welcome to the Crypto Altruism Podcast, the podcast dedicated to elevating the stories of those using blockchain, cryptocurrency, and Web3 for good. I'm your host, Drew Simon from CryptoAltruism.org. Now, before we get started, a quick disclaimer. While we may discuss specific projects or cryptocurrencies on this podcast, please do not take any of this as investment advice, and please make sure to do your own research on any potential investment opportunities. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome and thanks so much for joining. For today's episode, we dive into the exciting topic of data sovereignty. So if you're sick of getting excessive targeted ads about that new microwave you should get, you may want to stay tuned and learn more about data sovereignty. I start off by giving a quick primer on data sovereignty and how it relates to Web3, and then I welcome Kayvon, the CEO of Functionland, for a discussion on data sovereignty and how they are working to build a decentralized blockchain-based alternative to traditional storage solutions. Now, before we dive into that conversation, I wanted to take a moment to chat more broadly about data sovereignty and, well, what exactly it is. Well, you've probably heard many stories about data harvesting and the sale of your personal data to advertisers to produce targeted ads, or on the more malicious end, those stories of how our data is harvested and sold to some corporation or using an algorithm to produce targeted content to influence our decision-making towards, I don't know, certain political ideologies. The fact of the matter is, the internet grew at an incredible pace and sensible practices around data collection struggled to keep up, resulting in the over-harvesting, overuse, and on some occasions, flat-out misuse of user data. A good example of the outright misuse is the case of Cambridge Analytica from back in the 2010s, you know, when the data of millions of Facebook users was collected without their consent and used to influence the 2016 presidential campaign and the Brexit referendum. And that was fun. Did you know that close to 80% of Americans have concerns about lack of control they have over their own data? Although that is true, many of these millions of people might feel hopeless to do anything about it or might feel like it's really not that big of a deal or the necessary evil that comes with the internet. However, it doesn't need to be a necessary evil as there are alternatives. Now, you're probably thinking this is the time when I tell you that blockchain is the solution to all these woes. Well, that's not true, as there are certainly ways that Web3 tools could be misused as well when it comes to data harvesting. I'm sure there's some corporation somewhere salivating at the potential for targeted advertising in the metaverse. However, if used properly, Web3 tools can play a massive role in ushering in a new era of data sovereignty. This can be done through the development of blockchain-based self-sovereign identity tools, where individuals have true ownership over their identifying documents, who has access to them and when. It could be open-source Web3 alternatives that are competing with traditional Web2 services, or protocols using NFTs as a new and novel way to protect one's intellectual property. Really, the possibilities are endless, and I can't cover them all today, so I recommend you check out my blog posts on Web3 Data Sovereignty for a bit more information, and I'll definitely make sure to post more in the future as well. It is a rabbit hole that is quite deep, so in the meantime, we're going to bring in our guest for today, Kayvon, to chat more about data sovereignty and to highlight one use case for how they are using Web3 tools at Functionland to create a decentralized alternative to traditional cloud services and web tools. So please join me in welcoming Kayvon. Tell me about Functionland and how it all got started. Sure. So um, I personally was uh, in the, uh, I, I, I'm a, a artificial intelligence graduate by education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in the space of uh, data analysis, AI, machine learning, all those cool things. But mainly for the past 10 years, I've been a cloud architect before entering the Web3. So I, I knew from bottom down how the cloud scene works, how, how the client-server architecture works. I was one of the people doing it. So what, uh, what and we, uh, along with Esan, my co-founder, uh, we, we started doing some contract work in the web free space, again, from the UI perspective, creating like a SaaS for some of the companies. And, was, and this is like four years ago. So uh, around the same time, uh, three, three years ago now, uh, something pissed us off, both Esan and I, and, and that was Google announcing that they're discontinuing their free forever adver- as advertised photo service. 
and they are introducing subscriptions. And we said, ah, man, that, that again, the uh, bait and switch, the typical, um, yeah, you, you probably heard that they say Google is the new Microsoft. I mean, all of them are, I mean, the Web2 world, it's not that people are evil. Like you see conversation that the, they, they said they don't be evil, now they are. And the design there um, imposes that and, and the way our uh, markets work, like the stock market, the maximize uh, shareholder value mindset. So they, there is no way around it. And Web3 uh, provided a way uh, to skip that whole paradigm and enter a new one. So that was the entry point. We, we thought, yeah, Google Photos, uh, well, would we, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually do a free forever real uh, photos app? And that got us into the thinking, oh, well, you know, the first thing that it needs addressing in the space is exactly data sovereignty. So that needs to be addressed before anything else. So we came up with the whole idea of function land and took it from there. That's awesome. And so... Uh, on that note of data sovereignty, which will be the the focus of this of this episode, uh, on your website you mentioned how we believe in a fair future where every participant is both user and co owner, and where the future is accessible and affordable to all. So, tell me more about this vision and what this means. So, the way uh, we currently handle our digital lives is we have this gatekeepers that we trust, right? So we have this. Uh, Google or Apple or Netflix, we send over our data. We put them in charge of uh, managing them, managing the data for us. And in return, we pay. So we pay with different mediums. The most common one is we pay by watching ads. Our data gets harvested. So uh, we are are the product in Web2. So uh, even if we don't actually pay with like credit card and subscription, we are, we are paying with privacy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we envisioned with Function Land was like how from first principles redesigned the web, the way web currently works. It's really, uh, we are the non-fictional version of the Silicon Valley series, how to make a new internet. <laughs> so that's, that, that, that's what we're going with, with, with that vision to from first principles, uh, create a network that's owned by users. Hence, there is no outside control. There is no shareholders that vote, oh, you know what? Make me some more money. Uh, hence, you need to do, do this change in your tech. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So essentially, in Web2, users are the, the product, right? That the company, the corporation profits off of in various ways, through advertisements, through selling their data, whatever it is. Um, how does Web3 and blockchain change this? What is the, the new vision that Web3 creates for user data? So um, in blockchain, uh, we have this concept of token that has become somewhat a double-edged sword, right? So we have all the scammers out there that are taking this new phenomenon and using it in all the destructive ways that they are using it. Um, and it's like any other revolution, right? It's like the discovery of fire. I mean, uh, knives. <laughs> you, you, you can do good things with these or you can do bad stuff with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what, one other way that this concept of tokens can be used is like actual ownership. So that there are legit uh, protocols and uh, projects out there that are thinking about how we can actually use tokens 
to provide value, like, like centralize the ownership of different stuff, right? Uh, that's one line of thinking. The other line of thinking is speculation, like buy this coin and I'm going to get you rich. So, and, and like us builders in the space are normally judged in the second category, like these, these, these people are scams, but really it's just like a, a new tech that enables all kinds of new use cases that you, if you approach it the right way, you can make uh, beautiful things with it. The things, uh, experiences that were unimaginable before this. Absolutely. And I mean, that's why I started crypto altruism, right? Is to highlight some of these beautiful <laughs> use cases. So, um, I mean, tell me a little bit about that. What are some of these really exciting use cases of ways that this technology can be used for, for good? So uh, it's interesting to be a builder in the web free space. So you normally start with this concept of token and you should be like honest with yourself. This thing that you have is monopoly money. So it's just as worthless under day one as the money in the game and monopoly, right? <laughs> so there's this whole concept of tokenomics. How do I create an economy around this digital token that I can um, send back and forth to give it intrinsic value? And that's, that's just beautiful. Like, I mean, uh, you, 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 you will think about supply, demand, different layers, and then the exchange of hands for this tokens will create that value if you get it right, right? So if you don't get it right, it goes to zero from number 10 on <laughs> going market gap in a day. <laughs> oh, that one will hit uh, close to home, I think, for a lot of folks, and uh, fortunately, but <laughs> yeah. So um, shifting things here a bit, I understand that you guys recently launched a crowdfunding campaign for your, your box um, and that it was very successful, that you were able to uh, get a lot of folks on board with that vision. So Tell me about the box and, and the pain points that it looks to address. Yeah, so box is the, uh, um, well, by, by the way, placeholder name. We, we might change it by, based on community feedback or something, but currently named box. Is, we believe it functional and the missing piece in the data sovereignty puzzle. So um, from our background in the world of cloud, we know that there is this concept that we call pain problem. And pain problem exists for both users and developers. So as a developer, if I want to create an app and then publish it on App Store or Google Play Store, I need infrastructure. I need the server. And normally what I do is I go and rent this out from something like AWS, right? So I, there's a bill that I need to pay at the end of the month. And as my user base grows, I'm essentially... Uh, sending the data that I'm getting from users to these AWS servers. As my user base grows, my bill grows. So I'm paying this month like $1,000 for cloud costs. Next, if, if it grows exponentially, if God forbid my app is successful, then I'm in more debt and <laughs> I need to finance it somehow. So it's, it's a dilemma for creators. And what they do, developers, is they... Uh, offload this cost, the server cost on users. So they start charging subscription. If their app is free, they start showing ads in it. Or there was, there's like even a school here in Toronto where they actually, they teach you as a startup how to harvest the data of your app. So the, uh, the startup, the, this, the school teaches you to build something that people just use. And, but the, but the utility is not the goal. The goal is how to collect the data of these people and then sell it to, to third parties. Think about it for a second, like a whole school teaching this to a new generation of builders. So 
Uh, what Box solves is it says, well, I mean, if we want to be living in a truly decentralized world, we need to take ownership of our data. We shouldn't be sending it to a centralized party, be it AWS or any, any cloud provider. Mm-hmm. So let's relocate those, relocate that to my home. So we've created a home device. This is your personal server. So instead of you sending your data over to AWS, you're sending it to your own device at your home. And then the creator doesn't get your data. The creator, the software developer sends the code to your box and you access it from your own device. So your data never leaves your site. Okay. So as a, as a, you know, an average individual, what are some of the benefits I would get from owning and using one of these devices? Yeah. So as a user of Web2, we are currently paying a lot left and right. So we have all these subscriptions that we pay to different services that we get, get right? So mm-hmm. uh, if you want to watch movies, you need to pay three subscriptions to three different companies. I mean, get your Netflix, get your Disney Plus, get your Paramount Plus, this goes on. So what we want to do with Function Land is to play the long game. And um, we are starting with um, experiences, again, those things that people are currently need to pay for with the common denominator, right? So we're starting to develop an app that will replace Google Photos and Apple Photos, right? We are developing an app that replaces Dropbox and Google Drive and the like. And we are also developing an app in-house for password managers. So these three services, these are all paid services currently. We are replacing them with free alternatives. This is like actual free because you have this hardware on your desk that data is stored there. So you don't really pay for these. But the more interesting thing that we we are exploring uh, and we, we are actively doing is uh, we have everything we do is open source from hardware to software. And, and we want to onboard this very cool group of people called, called open source developers into a space that they've been less active in, right? So, so this, we, we heard that open source is actually the building block of web. But very rarely you, as a user of, say, a mobile device, interact with open source software. So the apps that you use on your phone are normally closed source. And they inside, inside them, there are open source components that have been used. So we want to invite that group to build for the end user, right? So the open source people creating apps for end users. And this time around, we want to pay them. We want them to and not have to rely on donation or like previous business models because these people normally don't do it, right? They don't put ads, they, they, it's against their mantra, right? So we are thinking with our token, how we can create, you remember I mentioned like monopoly money, how we can turn this monopoly money into a sustainable in- income for these creators. That's really cool, I, I love that. Um, and so I understand that another interesting feature of of the boxes that it will enable users to earn crypto by providing backups to others on the network. Uh, tell me more about this. Yeah. So one, one cool thing from having this hardware is, as I said, this is like your server, your files going there. But since it's a computer, uh, we've created uh, something, we a, a, an algorithm called proof of resource, right? That enables you to mine the token natively on your device, right? So you leave it on and just by backing up data in your neighborhood, right? So say your neighbor has a box too. You start, you start backing up each other's data. 
we've created an algorithm that uh, creates the, that mines the token for you by that act. So you keep backing up each other's data and you earn the token. And then we call this mining, right? So you're mining the token. And the way that we want to redirect this mining is to the said developers, right? So instead of dumping it, go and pay the developer who creates all these sorts of apps for you. And another uh, thing that we are trying to do and they're doing is to expand to non-crypto native audience. So if you go and check out the uh, video on the uh, Indiegogo campaign, you will see that we're not saying that, that that mining aspect, that crypto aspect is not the central narrative. The central narrative is ditch um, your subscriptions, experience free forever, true applications, use these three apps. Let's talk social impact now and shift things a little bit here. So data sovereignty is obviously something that is, is very important from a social impact lens in bringing that data back under the ownership of the individual. Um, so how will this improve the lives of folks all over the world and, and not only those in you know more wealthy established uh, economies but also those in emerging economies very interesting question so i don't i'm not sure if you remember the uh, protests in uh, hong kong a few years back and there was this app that's really short-lived it used bluetooth as a mechanism for those people to communicate to each other when the government has shut down the internet and it was like being censored and everything so um, it, this whole data sovereignty is, is an extension of those kinds of movements. Like think anywhere that you have tyranny, and we have it everywhere. We have it here in Canada and, 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 and Western countries. We have it in China. We have it in my birthplace, Iran. <laughs> and, 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 and think, we can think, well, if they, there is no central power controlling our lives, then we can do a, a lot of interesting stuff, right? Uh, and the data sovereignty specifically, uh, we, we currently don't have it. So uh, uh, projects like Functionland are trying to, uh, and many others in, in, in the crypto world, are trying to uh, approach it with, with the innovation of the cryptocurrency and that aspect of token. Uh, but when, when it materializes, we will see uh, that there is there are no no more the tyrants can dictate whatever they're dictating, and we we see all sorts of cool uh, new ideas being circulated, more innovation. So I mean, Back to the Future, uh, the movie. By this time, they predicted we will have flying cars. <laughs> the reason that we don't have it is because we are not innovative, really. Right? We are we are. Uh, trapped in the past. I mean, why why does Google or Apple have to innovate if, you, if they can sell the thing from previous year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And I love the example of Hong Kong. And uh, quite a while back, and when those protests were going on, I came across an example that I thought was really fascinating of, uh, there was a pro-democracy newspaper in Hong Kong that was shut down uh, called, I believe it was Apple News, I believe was the name of it. Uh, nothing to do at all with company mm-hmm. Apple. Um, and uh, they were being shut down. And so they were actually uploading and, and saving all of their information and news articles and their archives on the blockchain so that it could live on forever, right? So, you know, despite someone coming in and saying and using their, you know, authority and their and their power to shut down a pro-democracy newspaper, they were able, able to use blockchain to make sure that it it and its and its ideas lived on forever, which was fascinating. And then you know you can look at currently with what's happening with the uh, with the war in Ukraine and and how 
uh, millions of, of dollars in, in donations have made their way to Ukraine, to various humanitarian organizations uh, without the need for, you know, those intermediaries, which is absolutely huge. Right. So, yeah, I think that you're spot on just, you know, looking at the amazing opportunities that come with this technology uh, to uh, to support those that are, you know, struggling in, you know, whether it's authoritarian situations or or wars or whatever it is to provide them with the support and, and the technology they need to to be able to to progress, to, to, to stand up for their rights and to, um, to fight for their democracy. So it's really, really quite powerful. So I appreciate you sharing that. Tell me about the long-term vision for Functional Land. Uh, obviously you had a, uh, a successful uh, crowdfunding campaign. You said that you're playing the long game here. What does the long-term vision look like? Where do you see this a few years down the road? So a few years down the road, hopefully we'll have this new internet that is, uh, we, we hopefully ditch the term user. I mean, the only other industry that call its users user is the drug industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we want to retire that term and evolve to owners. We want to co-own whatever it is that we are producing that is data. Uh, so that's the long-term vision of uh, like, like product-wise, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, there, there's a general long-term play that hopefully like a group, a subset of uh, people in the Web3 world are going after. And that's just changing the status quo of how we function as a society, right? What's the next thing that we pursue as a species? Do we go for the flying cars or do we just focus day in and day out on fed hiking rates? <laughs> so... I mean, there is this very famous quote from Warren Buffett. This is, the stock market is a vehicle for transferring wealth from impatient to patient. And when you hear that, I mean, many people will applaud, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. But the reality of it is it's transferring the money to you, like the old person, the very patient, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. old guy. <laughs> What, why? 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 Why did we decide that should be the case? <laughs> why we decided that the impatient should be robbed of their money? <laughs> because mm-hmm. normally the impatient change the world, right? Mm-hmm. Not the old fellows, right? They, they normally they should retire, right? The whole uh, Web3 ecosystem is subset of it, of thinking of changing that status quo. How can we create other leaderboards, like a, a metrics to track progression? Like currently, the biggest metric that everyone's tracking is network. Who's the richest man in the world? Yeah, Elon Musk. Actually, Elon Musk has, at least has contributed to innovation, but like the next 10 people are uh, that, those old fellows, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> thinking about uh, how we can create a new metric that tracks innovation and rewards the impatient and mm-hmm. brings about change in the world. And um, we, we are pursuing that very much in Function Lab as well, specifically we want to uh, create new protocols that uh, that reward innovation. Like, send me an update for my app every, every couple of days, and you will earn more tokens. Be impatient. I, w- I want better experiences. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I love that uh, that that idea there. Of that, it's the impatient that are the innovators that are the <laughs> ones that are changing the world because they're sick and tired of waiting for things to get better. So they go out and do it themselves, which is awesome. Uh, so tell me now, as we wrap this conversation, what's the best way for listeners to learn more about Function Land? Sure. So if listeners want to chat with us like day to day, we are we live in Telegram. 
Mm-hmm. So we have a, a group there called AdSign Function Landers. So this is where we chat daily, but there's also all the social. We normally have this at function land handle on all socials. So Instagram, Instagram specifically is function land official, but YouTube, uh, Twitter, everywhere. Great. And, and we'll of course make sure to include links to all that in the show notes. And uh, as we wrap things up today, um, I was hoping you could tell me one thing that excites you most about the social impact potential of Web3 and, and what it would be. Um, if I want to choose one thing, I would go for um, ending zombification. <laughs> so what, what's happened to us is it, as, as the uh, web native uh, citizens is that we've become addicted to our tech, right? We, mm-hmm. we need to check our Instagram feeds every five minutes. Um, and this, this is happening more and more every day, right? Like the youth are not happy with their body image because they are watching this thing on Instagram that is unreal and they want to replicate it. So we've became zombies with the current business model that Web is Web 2 is heading. So a biggest, biggest opportunity there is new incentive models in Web 3 that diminishes the, the root cause of these, right? Why would, why would Instagram need to uh, keep me engaged because they, they, are, they are selling attention, right? But if they don't need to sell attention, if, if there are like more human uh, form of, there's a more human form of uh, data monetization for people, then you don't have to uh, deprive, deprive me of being a human. Well, I hope that that's the future that uh, you and many others are building. I think it is, and I think we're headed there, and I'm excited to see uh, how we get there. So uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Kayvon, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate the work you're doing, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today. A big thank you to Kayvon for coming on the Crypto Altruism podcast and sharing his insights into data sovereignty and the work they're doing to create a more fair internet. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to follow Functionland and to learn more about their work. I will also definitely be releasing more blog content on data sovereignty in the not-so-distant future, so stay tuned for that. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for tuning into the Crypto Altruism Podcast. For more great content exploring the intersections of cryptocurrency, blockchain, and social impact, check us out at cryptoaltruism.org. Also, if you loved what you heard, we graciously ask that you support the show by buying us a coffee or making a small crypto contribution. We run on the support of the community, so everything helps. Thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you'll join us again for our next episode. Until then, let's keep showing the world the good of crypto. Thank you for listening to the Crypto Altruism Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on new episodes as they're released and check out CryptoAltruism.org for more inspiring content.